The following recording is from the Parramatta Christian Church Pulpit Series. These sermons are freely available at pcc.org.au. to you church um, and wish you all a very happy new year. Um, it's a word over the church that this year God is going to take us from strength to strength, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Thank God for his faithfulness. The word says that he's merciful, that his mercies are new every morning and thank God that year after year he is faithful. His faithfulness never fails. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I've been given Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to, 1 to 7. And you, as you may already know, that it's the chapter on, on faith. So I'm really excited to preach this message for you this morning. You know, the last 40 years, God has been taking us on an incredible journey of faith. God has been there for us through the thick and thin, through so many different trials. God has guided and has taken us through. But this year, it's going to be a very significant year in that journey. I feel the Lord saying in my spirit, Behold, I'm opening a door before you. And you will need great courage and faith to take hold of what I have for you. As a church, we are called with a divine purpose. We are called to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the nations around us. We are called to build the spiritual lives and the faith of those who call PCC their spiritual home and to release them in their divine calling. We are called to pass on our faith to the next generation that they may flourish in their generation and do the things that God has called them to do. And church, we cannot achieve a divine purpose by just natural means. We need to tap into the kingdom of God, into the resources that God has for us. And it's faith is the key to achieving that. Faith is the key to tap into the supernatural. And therefore I've named the title of my message today, Faith, the Key to the Supernatural. You know, Jesus said, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed from here and be cast into the sea and it will be done for you. And nothing is impossible for you. The interesting thing is that the context in which he says these words is when a father brings his demon-possessed son to be healed and the, and the disciples couldn't heal him. And Jesus was angry. He was rebuking them and saying, oh, ye of little faith. So that means Jesus expects his church to move 
in that power. Jesus expects his church to tap into his supernatural resources. You know, if somebody brings a demon-possessed person into our church, or a sick person comes in, or a person who is broken comes in, we cannot just sing a few songs and send them away. We have the power to heal them, to deliver them, to set them free. And Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon, upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to mend the brokenhearted. And church, I'm here to tell you this morning, that same anointing, that same spirit is upon us. Why am I saying that? Because in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, it says the same power that God exerted when he raised Christ from the dead is now within you because we have the Holy Spirit within us. Amen? I haven't even started my sermon yet. It's off the notes. So let's read Hebrews chapter 11, 1 to 7, and then we'll dive right into the message. Hebrews chapter 11, starting from verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the, by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the witness that he was righteous, God testifying to his gifts, that through it he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. And he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not, not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. So the context of the context of Hebrews chapter eleven is that the the Jewish people who had become Christians, they were facing persecution. Their properties were being confiscated. They were beaten and humiliated in public, and they were being thrown into jail. And they were tempted to go back to Judaism. They were tempted to forsake Christ and, and, and go back to what the religion they had come from because it was too difficult, this, the persecution they were facing. So the author tells them, no, no, don't give up. Don't, don't forsake Christ. So initially he goes, he starts with, by telling them that um, 
Christ is superior to your religion. Christ is better than the angels. And if you remember the series we did last year on Hebrews, the better than series, Christ is better than Moses or your prophets. Jesus is better than Aaron or your priesthood. And the covenant that Jesus makes is better than the Old Testament covenant. So he said, don't forsake Christ. Hold on because you're going back to waste. Yeah, you're going back to destruction if you leave Christ. And then he says this. He makes his statement in chapter 10. He says, the righteous shall live by faith. What he's telling them is, don't, faith is superior to your way of living, where you lived by rituals and, and rules and regulations. Faith is superior. Faith, we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. That means we are called to see the invisible realities of God through the eyes of faith, things that we cannot see. After saying all that he says, he goes on to chapter 11 and he gives examples of those who live by faith. Those in, in spite of odds, all odds against them fulfill their divine purpose. And people whose lives God gives us, us as testimonies, whom, lives that God's, God approved. So I'm going to speak on three, three, under three topics this morning. Description of faith, because we need, if we are going to live the life of faith that we are called to live, we need to know a little more about faith. So description of faith. Then the demonstration of faith, the third thing, second thing, because if somebody demonstrates to us how it's done, it's easier for us to follow. If you go to Bunnings, sometimes they have your, this uh, do your own thing kind of stuff and they do a demonstration and uh, you come home and try to fix it, it never works, but <laughs> if you follow it carefully, probably it will. And the hope of faith, because hope is what gives us the endurance to keep going and not give up. Am I doing okay this morning? So description of faith. True Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. I'll say that again. True Bible faith is confident obedience to God's word in spite of circumstances and consequences. So faith is quite simple. God speaks, we hear his word, and we obey no matter what the circumstances are or what the consequences may be. So let me summarize the three words that actually speaks of faith, and then I will illustrate that for you. So bear with me as I read these words. So three words summarizes faith. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. So the word substance translated means to stand under or to support. Faith is to a Christian what a foundation is to a house. 
Faith is the confidence and the assurance that the believer has that what was promised will be experienced. Got that? Evidence. The evidence sim word evidence simply means conviction. A God-given conviction that when things seem impossible, that the promise will still stand. Being sure of things unseen. And witness or obtained a good report. They are witnesses to us because God approved their faith, their lives, and their ministries. Because God first approved their faith. And he has put them in, the, in chapter 11 for us to learn from them. So the best illustration I can think of is given in Hebrews chapter 6 on Abraham's story. I'll read a few verses. It says from chapter 6, starting from verse 13. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and received what was promised. See, if you know the story, the remarkable thing about this is that Abraham was almost 75 years old at the time a promise was given. He didn't have a child, and he wanted one. And God promised him a child. He was 70, and his wife was, he was 75, and his wife was 70. Their bodies were almost dead. But still, because of the one who promised, Abraham believed. He trusted God. He believed with all his heart that it's going to happen. And God credited that as righteousness to him. But the story doesn't end there. After God gave the promise, nine months went by. There was no baby. Right? Two years went by, still no baby. Five years, ten years, and now 20 years, and still no baby. And almost, Abraham is now almost 100, and Sarah is in her 90s. The dream should have been dead. The promise hadn't come. But you know what? Abraham still believed. Abraham still believed. That's why his name is there. That's why he is called the father of faith. He believed because one day God had taken him outside his tent and said to him, Abraham, look. Look at the stars. And if you could count them, I'm telling you, that's how many your descendants shall be. And because Abraham knew God, he had walked with him. He knew who God was. Abraham knew that the, this same God who's showing me the stars is the one who spoke them into being. So if he says so, it's going to happen. And he held on to his promise. Abraham held on to his promise. And God delivered on his promise. So church, I don't know what you're going through right now, what challenges you are facing in your 
walk of faith with God? I don't know. But one thing I know is that in order for your faith to grow, it has to be tested. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Lord says to the Israelites, I tested you all these years, all these 40 years I tested you to know what is in your heart. In the book of James it says that even gold and silver has to be tested in the fire to know if it's genuine. So how much more your faith which is so precious. God uses delays. He uses delays so that we don't trust in ourselves. He uses delays that finally our entire trust is in God. Our entire trust is in God. The Apostle Paul said, uh, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. The Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you because in your weakness, my, my strength will come through. My strength will shine through. So when we trust on, in ourselves, we are weak. But when we are weak and then we trust in God, we are so strong. But God also uses delays so that other people can see your walk with the Lord over time. One of the greatest testimony or a witness is that when a believer goes through trials, and prolonged trials and the other people are watching you to see how a believer responds. When you see a believer respond with patience, with courage and still holding on to the faith, people looking know that it's genuine, that faith is real, what they have in Christ is real. I have a friend who's my age and a few years ago few years ago she suffered uh, a stroke but I've seen her faith steadfast and unwavering in these times still singing praises to God still going out and singing in choirs she hasn't been healed yet but she's holding on now that is genuine faith that is true faith so church, take courage. This year, God is going to grow us in our faith. No matter what the challenges you're going to face, don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Because God is going to take you from faith to faith. From strength to strength. From glory to glory. Amen? Demonstration of faith. After describing briefly what faith is, the author to the Hebrews, he goes on to list people who demonstrated the faith that God wanted them to have. So in the, in, from chapter 4 to chapter 7, he, he talks about three men who, who lived before the floods. Abel, Enoch, and Noah. One thing common right across chapter 11, it's, it's like a template if you want for faith, is that God speaks, we hear, 
we obey no matter what the circumstances are or the uh, consequences may be. And then God gives witness to that faith. So I'm going to speak about Abel, and I'm going to speak about Enoch, and I'm going to speak about Noah, and we're going to learn something about their lives, something about their faith that we can imitate. Because we need that to grow this coming year. It says that about Abel that Abel bought a more acceptable sacrifice, a better sacrifice than Cain. So commentators say that when Adam and Eve sinned, God showed them the right way of worship, the way that God wanted them to worship. By slaughtering the lamb and covering their shame, there was a blood sacrifice. The Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And Abel obeyed. Abel obeyed. And when he obeyed, what he's doing is he's putting his trust and faith in what God has ordained. He's actually looking forward to the cross. He's looking at the cross. He's trusting the sacrifice that God will make on his behalf in his son Jesus. And that church is the only acceptable sacrifice that will get you into God's presence. No other sacrifice, not our works, no nothing, not our own righteousness, but the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Because that's what this offering was pointing to. And um, in Genesis, if you read the account, it says that in the course of time, in the course of time, Cain and Abel presented their sacrifice to God. So what the commentators say is Cain was roughly in his 140 years old. So that means it's the end of a particular period. They, so they would have been giving these sacrifices, but suddenly for some reason, Cain decided to bring his own sacrifice, his produce, his works, his effort, his own righteousness. But Abel didn't. Abel kept going. Abel didn't waver. And he paid with his life. Jesus says that he was one of the, the first martyrs, not one of the, the first martyr for the gospel because he st stood for the cross. So when you stand up for Jesus, when you stand up for the cross in this life, you will be persecuted. But we don't waver. We don't waver. The other thing we learn about Abel is that it said he offered his best. The first born of his flock and the fat portions. What it means is he bought his very best. His attitude was right before God. And what I learned from that is, you know, church, when we come before God, the, the only attitude is looking for is a sacrifice of praise. We are to come before him with thankfulness and praises in our heart. That's the sacrifice that he's looking for. And in Romans chapter 12, it says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. Church, God has redeemed us 
He shed his blood to cleanse us. We are set apart for him to worship him, to be his people. And what the Roman writer is saying is, what Paul is saying is, be pure in your thought, in your words. Do not have any sexual sin in your life. Do not have any habitual sin in your life. We do stumble at times, but don't have habitual sin. We give the best when we come and offer before God uh, our bodies as living sacrifices. But the only sacrifice that is acceptable is the sacrifice that Jesus made when we hold on to that faith no matter what. So that's what we learn from Abel. Does that inspire you? Yeah? <laughs> Enoch. What I learned from Enoch is that he walked with God. The Bible says he walked with God for 300 years. That's a pretty long time. And he, the thing about him is he knew that God re rewards those who earnestly seek him. The, in Amos, the book of Amos chapter 3, it says, two people cannot walk together unless they are in agreement. That means Enoch's life, his ministry, his service, his heart was right before God. Remember that he walked in a very evil generation. As much as we think our generation is bad, that was so bad that time. But Enoch walked with God. And when you walk a long time, you know, there are trials in your life. There are challenges in your life. Sometimes they tend to discourage you and, and tend to, you know, make your heart hard against God when you're offended with something, something that you hoped for didn't happen or some trial that had come your way. But David says in Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For Lord, thou art with me thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's faith. Even when there is darkness around you, you know that the Lord is with you. So, church, how is your walk with the Lord this morning? You know, we are called to walk in, in, in reading the word, to hear his voice. The word of God says, Lord, thy, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a and, and a light unto my path. It's through the word of God that you hear him. You know, it's ironic that the, uh, Hebrews chapter 1 starts by saying, in the past, God spoke to us through the prophets and through various means, but in the last days, he speaks to us through his son, Jesus. He speaks to us through the cross. He speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. But above all, 99% of the time when you open the scriptures and read, that's when you will hear his voice. That's when will, he will tell you which path to go. That's when he will encourage you. That's when, when, when he, will, he will show his love for you. So church, are you reading your word? Then we are given prayer. Oh, what a wonderful thing prayer is. Because we get to speak to God. 
we get to pour out our heart to him we get to tell our frustrations to him we get to tell our anxieties to him we get to ask for things he says ask and it shall be given so we pray is such a wonderful thing where we get to speak to god you know i used to think this prayer and 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 reading the word uh, and all that is a thing of discipline and i have preached that when i preached my prayer on uh, on my my message on prayer uh, last year i was telling about the discipline of prayer and the discipline of reading the word but the more i think of it when i was meditating on this i realized it's not a matter of discipline it's a matter of faith because enoch believed that god is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him and so much so his reward was enoch was and he was not that was one translation says what it means was he was taken up to heaven without seeing death what a reward and the same god who rewards enoch who rewarded enoch rewards us too when you seek him he blesses you he gives you peace he gives you understanding he gives you revelation he gives you wisdom he carries you on eagle's wings so why wouldn't we walk with him so that's what i learned from enoch that he walked with god and he believed that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him so church i pray that i'm not telling you about discipline anymore have faith have faith have faith that god is going to reward you he's going to bless you he's going to lift you up he's going to walk alongside you so don't neglect reading the word to hear his sweet voice go before him with whatever you have in your heart because he is for you he's not against you and finally noah noah served god by faith god said to him build an ark because there's going to be rain and there's going to be floods and i'm going to wipe out this earth noah has never seen rain before he didn't know what an ark was because he hasn't even seen a little boat but he believed god he obeyed god and the bible says that you know we are actually in the same boat as noah <laughs> i kind of didn't say it at the right time <laughs> because jesus said so as in the days of noah so will it be before the son of man comes they'll be marrying and drinking and and doing also the sorts of things that we are doing today which they did then and suddenly the destruction will come we are living in those same days but what i learned about noah it's it also says that he was a preacher of righteousness i'm not sure whether he actually went and preached but the word says that because of his actions he condemned the rest of the world but he saved himself and his family and another thing that i learned from noah is that it's not just him his whole family was saved he passed on his faith to his children 
So church, that's what I learned from Noah. When I thought and pondered, we are called to serve. We are called to build the church. We are called to save people who are going to perish when the final days come. And God has given us that calling. He has said in, in Matthew before he went, go and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Because people matter to him. People's souls matter to him. And we who are saved, we need to serve. We need to serve so that others can also be saved. Not to save our souls. Our souls are saved when we put our trust in Christ. We, don't, we, we are not saved by serving. We are saved by our faith in Jesus Christ. But we serve out of that love. We are also called to pass our faith to the next generation. I'm very passionate about that. You know, it's our faith, the object, if the objective of our faith is the salvation of our souls. It says in 1 Peter 1 9, I think. So if you don't pass your faith to your children, you don't care about their salvation. That they want to perish. But I see, I see families, I see right now, I can see so many parents with their, with their children. It gives me great joy. Keep coming. Don't give up. I know it's hard to get, you know, three kids ready for church on a Sunday morning. But you bring them. And I can see people who bought their kids, like, um, I know um, Michael and Grace used to bring Anish in the pram, and I used to bring Aaron in the pram, and we used to sit, sit, stand outside when Pastor Bert used to preach. That was 16, 17 years ago. And now Anish is serving, um, Anoj is serving, Amrit is serving, my, my children are serving. They are behind the desk or they are doing something here in the church at 16, 17. That's a joy. So don't give up, church. Don't give up on, uh, 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 you know, on a Sunday morning. Don't go to the beach or to the soccer field. Bring <laughs> your children to church Sunday after Sunday. And I see so many other kids. Albert and Maggie, they are three boys. Natalie and Louis brings their three girls. Like so many, I can mention. But when I see them here, I can see in my eyes, in my vision, I can see them one day serving when we are gone they'll be here serving the Lord. We are called to pass our faith to the next generation. Church, take that seriously. And I'm also here to tell you, if you haven't brought your children and your children are not here, that's not a thing to be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Our God is a good God. He is a gracious God. He's a powerful God. And he hears your prayers. He hears your cries. And when you pray for them, he will hear and he will bring them one day. One by one, he will bring them into the fold. But you've got to take hold of it in prayer. So Noah saved his whole family in the boat. And that's what I learned from Noah. And finally, the hope of faith. So we spoke about the description of faith the demonstration of faith, and I'm going to talk about the hope of faith. 
um, during World War II, there was a um, psychiatrist uh, called Dr. Victor uh, Frankl. And he was held in a concentration camp in Germany. And he went through terrible uh, experiences. He was tortured. He, he went through hell. But one thing he realized, he observed that some people survived the camps and some people didn't. And he observed and he found out the reason why some survived. The guys who survived, they didn't survive because they had better food or you know, better environment. They survived because they had some hope at the end of the tunnel. They, uh, some loved one was waiting for them at the end or had some dreams that they want to fulfill, a profession they want to do, a business they want to go into. They had a hope in their heart. And that's what faith does. Our hope is in the things that God has promised us. So when we have faith, that gives us hope. And when we have hope, it enables us to endure and go through what, whatever comes our way. It, it helps us to keep going. So there are three big things that we hope for. Three big things. There are so many things in the, in, in, in the word of God, the promises of God that we can hope for. But I want to just talk about three. We hope for future glory. We hope for future glory. And uh, I, I'll just read from Romans. It just explains it so well. Romans chapter 8, starting from verse 23. We as believers groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we, we don't need to hope for it. But we look forward to something we don't yet have. And we must wait patiently and confidently. There's a future glory for us. I have seen Christians suffer and non-Christians suffer. I have seen Christians die and non-Christians die. There's an unmistakable hope in the life of a Christian or in the life of a believer. A couple of years ago, <coughs> sorry, my, my, I went to see my cousin who was dying of cancer. She was just 59 and she was, you know, a, a beautiful lady. My eldest cousin, she was tall, she was fair, she was chubby, she had long hair long straight hair, but when I went to Toronto two or three years ago, she was in, the, in a deathbed, dying. She was skin and bone. Her cancer had gone to her brains, um, her lungs, and um, yeah, you know, it was, when I saw her, I just wept, but she said to me, she could hardly talk, and she said to me when, you know, when God blessed me when we lived in back home in Sri Lanka. I had 
food and clothes and a home to live and there were beggars outside and there were sick people and I never asked God, Lord, why did you bless me and didn't, didn't bless them? But now that I'm sick, I'm not going to ask God, why me? So she just, she didn't waver in her faith. She trusted God. She trusted God. And I know for a fact there is a hope in me which is sure that I will see her in heaven, in future, in eternity, with a new body. I've already had dreams. You can say it's from my subconscious. I don't think so. I think it comes from the hope that is within me because my mom saw the same dream. So there is hope for us in future glory and we hold on to that no matter what we go through in this life. We hope for the return of Christ. In Titus it says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Because in Hebrews he says, when Christ comes back, he will bring with him all that he has promised. You know, there is so much of injustice on this earth. You know, people die, people are killed, people are martyred. And uh, sometimes we think it has ended in tragedy. We think justice was not served. But Jesus is coming back. For us believers, there is eternity. There is hope after death. When the Lord comes back, he will bring with him all that he has promised. And the third one is resurrection. I don't have to say much about it because we know, we all have been in church and we know that just as Christ rose from the dead, one day we will rise. One day we will rise. And if you have lost a loved one and that you are grieving, know today that in eternity we will be reunited. If they died in Christ, we will we'll be reunited. What a hope. What a hope, church. So as I bring this message to an end, I don't know how long I have spoken for. Um, just a quick recap. So we are called for great faith, church. We are called to walk in great faith because we need to fulfill our purpose, our divine purpose. And we cannot fulfill the divine purpose through natural means. We need to move in the supernatural. And faith is the key to that supernatural. And we learned about a description of faith. We learned what these words meant, substance and evidence and witness. They all mean that we have trust in God in his promises. And we, we saw the faith of Abraham to motivate us. Then we looked at the, uh, the demonstration of faith, the, the um, faith of Abel through which he worshipped, the faith of Enoch through which he walked, and the faith of Noah through which he served. And we looked at hope. And finally, as I bring this to an end, just remember one thing. I said the objective of our faith is the salvation of our soul, but the object of our faith is God. His promises. His promises are true because of his unchanging nature. We sing a song, we sing, your faithfulness is like a mighty mountain. Sorry, your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Your love, O oh Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. 
Your righteousness is like a mighty mountain and your justice flows like the ocean tides. He is faithful. He is unchanging. He is all-powerful. He loves us with an everlasting love. So when God gives a promise, that's what stands. That's where our faith rests on. So this year, This year is going to be a year of faith. We're going to walk in great faith. We're going to walk through that door that God has for us and take hold of what he has for us. And just a reminder of three things I, I, which came to mind. When, when Moses stood before the Red Sea with the Egyptian army behind him, he had only a stick in his hand. And God said, stretch that over the ocean. And Moses did so in faith. Imagine you're in one of those rocks somewhere looking at this event. You can't see God. You can't see anything. You can only see an old, white, old man with a white beard stretching his hand over the ocean. And the water is parting. And by the way, as a, as a side note, when he stretched his hands, the ocean didn't part immediately. He had to hold his hand all through the night. And it was only at dawn that the sea finally parted. So the word says that weeping lasts the night, but joy comes in the morning. So hold on for your miracle. So behind, then we also see a little young lad called David who walked up to a giant of a man in full war gear with armor all over. And just with five stones, he swung his catapult. And I believe it was God who guided that stone to hit the giant. So it's the same God who divided that ocean. So behind every act of faith, there is our great God doing the miracle. Behind every act of faith, there is our great God doing the miracle. So as we move forward this year, church, trust God. Put your faith in Christ and expect great things. Expect great things. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to just give a half a minute or uh, just a minute just to reflect, just to be quiet before God and not lose everything that he has said and just ask God what God has for you this year. Ask God to give you great faith to, to go through this year victoriously with faith and to grab hold of whatever God has for you. So be in silence and let the Holy Spirit minister to you and just ask God, Lord, give me faith. Give me mountain moving faith. And I'll just give you one minute and then I'll pray and close it.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for who you are. Oh Lord God, you, you have called us by name. Lord God, you have redeemed us. You have cleansed us. You have set us apart. You have set us free. Lord God, you have given us a mission, Lord. A mission with you. A partners with you. Lord, you have called us to move in the supernatural. Lord, you have called us to take your message of hope, your message of salvation, your message of restoration and love to the whole world. And Lord, we can't do it on our own strength. So Holy Spirit, I pray that this morning that you will take the words that I have spoken and you will create faith in your people's heart. I pray that you will create great faith, Lord. Lord, you, your word says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has perceived what God has for his people. And when we ask for a blessing, you don't just trickle down blessing. It's, you're the kind of God who gives us blessing, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall be our portion because you're a generous God. You're a big God. So we, we say we love you, Lord Jesus. So I pray that you will bless your people, that this year will be a year of victory. This year will be a year of breakthroughs. This year will be a year of great joy. So I pray that you will go before your people and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, church. If you want prayer.